0: Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays, and the entire crew is here. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us. Connect with
1: us. All that good stuff. Naomi Buckwalter. Yes, that's my name. Hello. Hi, everyone. We were, we were on time today. I just want to say we were on time. Three so yes, of sorry. us
0: were on time. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, and we not, have I'm one guy that up. chronically shows up late and leaves early. He's <laughs> literally the guy who shows up to eat, get dessert, and just No, Chris,
1: Chris, you're a value add. We, we're all busy. But I, I was proud of myself for being on time today.
0: <laughs> we're usually all in between meetings. So... Mr. Azar. Sawatika. Happy to have you here with us today. I'm
3: happy to be here today.
0: Chris of Folo. Hey,
3: everyone. Happy to be here. Happy late as late here. as I may be.
0: Yes. Better late than never. That's what I always say. Okay, folks. So Chris is gonna kick it off today. We are going, oh well, before he kicks it off, we will talk a little bit about James's brand new shirt. That Think he can wounded warrior project. We're gonna make him talk about the wounded warrior project, how far along he is, how long he's gotten. Oh, brother, if we hit
2: the goal. This is the fit.
0: OMG, we got to mm-hmm. donate, bring more money, guys. More money, more money. <laughs> donate this is donate, the fit donate.
2: <laughs> for the goal for reaching the goal. I will wear this to any show, it's um, all I will wear this all week if you want
1: let's get a teaser now james just put on the hat uh, yeah just put the hat. On,
2: you know what i've invested so much in my beautifully done hair today <laughs> and th- that i'm 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 a bit concerned but but isn't this hat awesome it's those pretty cool It's Star spangled great america america
0: america we should all get those hats sean uh, mcginn uh, says my peeps yes we are here sean jonathan says hello hi jonathan good afternoon so we are going to kick it off with Mr. Fulong today.
3: Well, so I, I will actually kick it off with an update from the 2021. I know initially we were going back and forth, but what I wanted to say is over the weekend, I posted an update as to my findings. So if you've submitted your resume or you're thinking of submitting your resume, you can look at that post. Because what I found is that almost every resume has these three common themes you you need to describe yourself better in your summary or executive um, summary up at the top as to what you're looking for, what value you bring, and how you can benefit a company. Um, the next thing, down in the work experience, just don't list all the things you do on a day-to-day basis. Like, what value do you bring? What results have you done? What changes have you implemented? How have you helped that company over someone else that would have just been in there? just doing the same things over and over um, stand out from the stand out from the crowd. Don't don't just try to fit in um, those that. And if you don't have experience and you're trying to get your first role, what research have you done? What things ha- have you discovered that can help solve company problems like work on on those types of things? Um, I did 10 resumes over the weekend and those were like the common themes that I saw. So so far, I mean, we we had over 300 resumes submitted. We have over 160 of them reviewed. We we've had 14 hires declared thus far. I know certain someone's in this group have to update the list. Um, so there's so- three
2: more, three more people that were hired as of this morning. Okay, Chris, three people as of this morning. We also have um, two hiring managers in the database, looking at your CVs and deciding whether or not they want to interview you. So submit your CVs if you're not getting exposure. My goal is to bring more and more hiring managers, more and more of my CISO peers to take a glance at this and maybe pick a few people they want to interview for roles they have in mind, even before they post a job.
3: The so, that they can,
2: so that we can get you hired. Our goal is to get to 221 in 2021. We don't stop. Momentum is still there. We got to do it. Period. End of discussion.
0: Sean says he thinks you're actually starting to look like the new
2: attire. Starting to like my new attire. Starting yeah. to like your new attire. Um, you know, I have. I don't know if you saw that uh, podcast I did with Ron Green that I posted on Wednesday. I'm wearing this awesome blue and white paisley. I'm actually considering like sporting it for a, for for a few more events.
1: Yeah, like a wedding. Hey,
0: that
2: blue and white is yeah. You guys should. Really check it out. I mean, it's it's pretty good.
0: That's for you, James. It's hot on you. You are the king.
2: (laughs) It it is. It is a uh, A
0: king. (laughs) Y'all, I had a lot of coffee this morning. (laughs) I had a lot of coffee. I had a lot of time with my (laughs) six-year-old. You got a new house. All right. So Chris, so I wanted to add in. Chris, I think those are fantastic um recommendations. Um, and just wanted to add in because you know I haven't seen any of them to be honest. Um, but what I've seen over time is that the project part, I know, bad me at the life, right? So I will make sure by the end of the year <laughs> I will get in there and do some resumes for you guys. Um, however, some of the things that I've seen and some of the things that Chris touched on are some of the comments that were made during our CIO talk Um, earlier this week. We had the Ohio Turnpike CIO come on. He was amazing, and he's going to be coming back. His name is Brian Kelly. And what he talked about was, you know, making sure you volunteer. So when Chris talks about the, um, you know, when you're new and you're trying to break in and you don't have any projects and you're trying to think of what to put on there, he gave some really good recommendations. He talked about um, volunteer efforts, um, you know joining organizations like InfraGuard, joining other nonprofit organizations, helping out helping people or um, helping small businesses potentially on a volunteer basis um, and then as I always talk about the self-directed projects. So all the projects that you're doing at home your home lab turn that into your job description or your you know your um, experience because that's what it is. So I just want to add that in. So Chris, I know you're going to kick it off today with um, an upcoming project that you are working on, and we will take it from there.
2: Yes.
3: So I was asked to help facilitate a learning lab at RSA um, with Sunil Young, who is now um, a CISO, but he created a a matrix that allows companies or individuals to analyze um, how products or things fit into the cyber perspective with regards to people, process, and technology, as well as how it fits into the NIST CSF. Um, So what I would recommend for individuals that are looking to learn more about the cyber defense matrix is to go look it up and see how you can implement something like that. See how you can talk about how a specific product um, relates to the identify, detect, prevent, recover spectrum of CSF. And whether it is more people-focused, process-focused, or technology-focused. And if you could give a summary of that to like a hiring manager within an interview it will separate you from someone that can just say, oh, well, um, EDR does this, but then you don't realize all the backend requirements of what EDR does and the impact that it has on an organization to function. James, have you ever looked at uh, the cyber defense matrix from a CISO perspective? So I've,
2: I use um, my friend Ross's Young's TASM the first mm-hmm. time i've looked at it was when you shared it with me about an hour ago um so i like i use tasm and um which is a OWASP project that ross young this is over at caterpillar did and um i mapped that to nist because the tasm is essentially a mix of OWASP and nist and then i added miter um you know, to the, to the, uh, to the framework, essentially, as I identify vendors, I look at, you know, how MITRE ATT&CK looks at the escalation of a specific aspect of it, and then, you know, map that to capabilities of a, of a, of a vendor.
3: Yeah, and um, Sunil also did work with OWASP to have that as one of the projects over there. Um, And I'm going to post that in the links in just a little bit for those that are looking to learn more. Um, And we'll actually post the links for um, the Safeguard, the Project Threat and Safeguard Matrix, which um, Naomi is going to post shortly as well. But the, the whole point of all these different frameworks is that they allow you to describe the threat landscape and how you would approach tackling a certain situation. And especially if you're new to this industry and you you can't have these types of conversations with hiring managers, brush up on on these topics. And they could be your own um, self-directed research project that you can recommend to implement to an organization. They haven't considered such an approach before. I see Naomi nodding her head.
1: Yeah, I was just saying, I was looking at this to bring in front of my senior leadership team because they want an easy way to understand threats and how it matrixes in with all the risks. So I think it's a really, uh, really easy way to understand what kind of threats there are for your organization. Fits really well with like small and mid-sized companies. And here's the thing, if you are looking for a volunteer project, you can always volunteer for this open web application security project, OWASP you can help with that. So get your name out there and put uh, network with people. This is one way to do it. You don't have to be super technical. You can just be like proofread, right? You can contribute that way too. That's all. Anything Thanks. else you want
2: to add? So, so, so I, I will say this, I kind of want to take this conversation um, um, to, to the side of when we look at tools mapping to problems, there's one common kind of, I wanna say, there's an Achilles heel for every CISO. And that is that we have way too many vendors, not enough uh, implementation of products. And we end up in a position where um, we're trying to solve problems and we've got all these different appliances and tools um, in our environments. And we don't really know the full capabilities of all of them because they become very, very difficult to manage. And so using tools like this really does help you um, eliminate duplications maybe that don't really help you because if you're if you've got three things recognizing one at one one threat that you know, and that threat's not as risky, then it's you know it's not an effective you know use of funds or resources
3: and that was the whole idea behind um like the cyber defense matrix is. Where does a certain tool play within the environment? What does it do? Is it more people-intensive? Is it more technology-intensive? What processes need to be developed for this to be effective? And in regards to, if you look at it from start to finish when a uh, an attack might start to finish, where does that tool come into play? Does it need a tool to help it identify the, the threat? And then that helps with the remediation or is it feeding into another process? And if you understand that life cycle from the attack life cycle, then you can better understand the full situation.
2: I got to tell you something that was really fascinating with what you shared with me that I've been complaining about for a little while. And then this just like, I'm, I'm taking a screenshot of this and I'm sending it across is how many vendors are focused on the identify and protect aspect of it and how few are looking at respond and recover um, and invest very little money in that. It's like everyone's like, we want to be here to help you stop it, but no one's there to help you recover. I think it's like a, I think even in today's marketplace, there's maybe three or four companies that are actually like, that's their designation. That's the only thing they do is respond and recover.
3: And that's exactly the point of this matrix is, for that you you can see where where your strengths and weaknesses are, and allow you to see if you're truly covering the whole gamut of this. And most people, when they go into, say for example, doing a CSF assessment, they don't they don't take that next step to see where all the gaps are. They focus like like you said, the the, the identify and defend. But then what happens? When you do have that not Petya you and you're looking to recover, if you haven't planned that out, if you haven't seen your, your your tool coverage or your process coverage or your people coverage in those recovery phases, then you can't properly recover at the end of it. Yeah,
2: that's um th- th- that's a great point, which is you've got to be able to, you've got to know how to defend and you've got to know how to uh, Um, how to recover from something. And I think a lot of times we spend so much time on identify that we, we forget about all the rest.
3: Naomi. Naomi.
1: I keep (laughs) nodding my head. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm in the middle of a project right now, creating a security roadmap for my company. So taking a look at all the risks, mapping it to a CSF like NIST um, and then overlaying it with the threat. So security is the probability of something happening times its impact. And our whole entire goal is to limit the impact. So as long as you're recovering and responding within the moment that you're identifying something, uh, you're limiting the impact of that exploit or vulnerability from taking any kind of money away from your business. And that's what we really want. We want to tell the business what the risks are in very simple language. And if we can show them and use a matrix like this, that's very well done Uh, and just plain English, right? Explain to the business folks in plain English, and they understand things easily. You don't want to throw technical terms and make up your own language with them. That's that hurts you. So use plain English. Talk in business terms. uh, Money, money always talks, and tell them very plainly. Here are the risks and how much it will cost if something were to happen, or and how much it would cost to fix it. And then you have pure numbers. And what I always like to tell uh, my fellow CISOs is make sure you're using data to drive your decisions, not emotions, because your emotions can fluctuate from day to day. Like for me, it's like that time of the month, you know, right ladies, <laughs> just to make men it, have it feel too. really, <laughs> men have it too, great, I don't feel that awkward. So you wanna use data to drive your decisions. <laughs> I'm just trying to make Chris laugh. <laughs> uh, get your data to drive decisions oh, very- that way. And like, here's the thing, when you're bringing, uh, you know, you calculate probability and your impact, right? I used to open FAIR, framework they have a tool out there it's app.fairu.net, super free super easy to use it uses the monte carlo simulation to calculate probability of a risk and then you multiply that with the impact so the dollars possibly lost like, I feel like I explain this all the time to my executive team, but the idea is like you have data to show them and no one, like almost no one argues with the numbers. They're all like, oh yeah, you calculate those numbers. Great. But then when you go and you bring in emotion to it, you're like, you know, t- I feel like we need a sim, right? And then people are like, okay, why? Right. Then You need the data behind it. Like, here's how much money it could cost us if we get, if we don't detect and respond in a timely manner and stuff like that. So as long as you're bringing in data and not emotion, you will get the backing of your business folks. That's
3: it. You bring up such a such an important point. I'm teaching a class right now on on risk management. And too much have the students focused on just summarizing the academic summary of risk management. And I, I keep asking them, okay, so what's the impact to the business? Like you're doing this assessment, you have a, a business scenario. What is the impact that you're what is the risk that you're trying to mitigate and what is the impact to the business and how will your mitigation reduce that impact and if you can't talk to that in a real world scenario you can't communicate with the business because that's what that's all they care about right they there's a potential to lose a million dollars spending fifty thousand dollars will reduce that to losing half a million dollars to them that's a great investment because you're you're only spending fifty thousand to to reduce the impact of five hundred thousand. That's a great return on investment for them. So to be able to talk in those terms to the business is really impactful. I think so. So here's
2: here's one misconception that people have is
3: people we we
2: look at security. We've always looked at security from a risk perspective, right? So we've always been investing money. Like we need five million dollars to reduce. million worth of risk. Sounds like a pretty decent investment. You're investing 10% to reduce 90% of your risk. That's, in a lot of books, this makes a lot of sense. But in today's world, in in the reality of the business world today, the risk is no longer the main objective. And I say that because I want to point out almost every major recent breach, and all of those have shown one common conception, one common thing. Companies don't go under. Clients rarely leave, right? There's some reputational fallback, but it goes away with the news cycle. It's the moment the news cycle refreshes in 24 hours, it's pretty much gone. Who do you hear talking about SolarWinds outside of the industry? Salespeople who are just trying to tell you that, you know, you don't want to be like SolarWinds, do you? Who do you hear talk about it? Or Microsoft Exchange, who do you hear talk about it? Code cough that's going on right now. Who do you hear talk about it if you're not impacted by it? You don't. There's very little to it. The risk is, is not no more anymore in the reputational aspect of it because the business is now understood that you get a good PR. You have a good you know incident response plan. You go out there. You get ahead of it. You let the new cycle die. Game over. Right. And you move on and you move on to the next best, best thing. Now it's about business continuity. Can I continue to run my business while I'm going through an event? And that's no longer about investing money in risk versus reward perspective. Now it's about how much do resiliency. I need to invest to be resilient, to face all the different challenges that are going. my organization is going to face from a software supply chain perspective, because I think that's the new big business resiliency you know, challenge that we're all having the conversations on, all the way down to customer acquisition. And revenue where we're seeing a lot of attacks going down the financial sphere, especially from North Korea and Iran, who've been emboldened in the last year, just to go ahead and relaunch kind of we had about a year of, I'd say, a little bit of quiet from them, a little bit. I'm not saying a significant decrease, but now they're back at it and they're they're threat actors. We know that several of the new ransomware strains that we've seen in the last 30 days have all been powered by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. And North Korea.
3: I, I mean, t- take a look at the the Peloton API leaks. Yeah. Outside of the outside of the nerds that really care about it, like um, the average Peloton consumer doesn't seem to care that their information's being leaked out by their fitness app. Um, what they what they did care about was the the, the recall and mm-hmm. the safety issues yeah. with some of the treadmills, but. Don't even get me started on the, the the lack of parental controls over their kids that led to that. But, mm. um, yeah, the, the, the API story went under the water and everyone's focused on the recall because they, their information's out there already. And they have such breach fatigue, alert fatigue. Like, it, it's just another day, another story that's going to disappear. The so scariest- one thing.
1: One thing we're forgetting is that when cybercrime wins and they get money from ransomware payments and everything, like, where is that money actually going? Have you ever actually considered this? Like, it's funding more cybercrime, and cybercrime does have real-life consequences. I heard a story, I think, in the New York Times published this, but a family, a victim, uh, was murdered. Crime scene photos were taken, and the crime scene photos were stolen from the police, right? And so the police refused to pay the criminals to make sure that those pictures never got leaked. But since the police refused, who did the crime criminals go to? They went to the victim's family for payment. And so like you're seeing real life consequences of people having to make these decisions because our police departments are terrible at you know, cybersecurity, our schools, our hospitals, and we're losing the war on cybercrime and real people's lives are being impacted. Not just this one family who I don't know whatever happened. I didn't finish reading that story because paywalls. But the idea is like, we want to be able to make sure we're winning the fight against cybercrime because there are real life consequences. It's not just data, but all that money is being funded to something. Human trafficking, right? Illegal firearms trades. Wars are being funded by the cyber terror yeah and this this is real information is... campaign exactly yeah, yeah. and and, and like're we're, we're seeing this this whole like social media hatred of the, of the left versus right like this is fueling our own demise so we need to be really careful here we're not just considering this is not just data that's already out there it's already being leaked like the public doesn't understand this is going to affect every little thing of your life and so we need to be careful
2: So one thing about Peloton, Chris, and I know you've got to leave, so I'm going to make this very quick, okay? The Peloton, um, the whole issue around Peloton is it shows you very poor corporate culture. They had poor corporate culture when it came to their IT security and IT safety and IT integrity and complete and resiliency. And then they've got poor corporate culture when it came to product recall. They fought the recall for months on end, 70 people injured, One kid is dead as a result of this, right? And furthermore, we know that the sitting president of the United States uses a Peloton. We know that there are members of Congress and Senate and people within the DOD that use Peloton. And that information, those things have now been put out there for the grand world to see. So, um, yeah, the, the Peloton story to me is is just a tip of an iceberg of a very, very bad or of, of, of just careless. It's, it's extreme growth and careless attention to detail on behalf of the company.
3: I mean, I read another headline. Um, I didn't go into the story, but it leads back to the same thing where there's a story based on troop movement in the Middle East leaked by apps, smartwatch apps it, that, yeah. that are denoting your location. And, and wait, didn't this happen a couple years ago? Wasn't mm-hmm. it another smart device? Like these, these things are going to continue to happen and our military will have to decide like how much freedom are they mm-hmm. gonna allow soldiers to wear um, off the shelf devices, Zero. especially- Zero. They, they, Exactly. they should have
2: no freedom. You shouldn't be allowed to take anything that's yours, that isn't owned and issued by the U.S. military into the battlefield. In my days, you got a military-issued device, and that was it. It's all you're going to get out there. You don't get to take your cameras. You know, today I see soldiers, like, in Iraq. I remember, like, 10 years after our discharge, I was sitting with a group of veterans. And, you know, these are all fresh people a year or so out of service. And they've all got selfies of them on top of tanks and Humvees and all kinds of stuff and and battle zones. And I'm like, my stuff's still classified. (laughs) I can't even, like, I can't even look at it. Like what's going on here? When did we become so loose with data? They're like on Facebook
1: and stuff. I know. I see it all the time. (laughs) like, Oh, I guess things have changed. Bye Chris. Bye
2: Chris. Chris. You're awesome.
0: Okay, folks, a couple comments in here. Um, Johnny says, this topic is a great conversation. Uh, Rachel, oof, I walked into some heavy necessities. I don't know who this is, but uh, helping me with the need of cybersecurity. And Clinton Walker says, hello, guys. He almost missed a session. Great to see you guys.
1: I think the overall point we're trying to make here, everyone who's listening, and thank you for listening, is the fact that security culture Needs to be easy enough to understand like we need security to be everyone 's responsibility right it 's not just the cyber geeks and the techies and the people who think they're smart enough, right the gatekeepers, but it really is everyone if you if we're teaching our youngest children to stay private not to chat with strangers online, like imagine the com- compounding effect that they can have so they you know our children teach their children and the generations after learn how good security looks like good privacy looks like and and we won 't have as many breaches just because Everybody, no matter what your job is, you're considering the angle of the threat. And so you're, you're doing your, your job, might as well be a, a liberal arts degree in a sales role. <laughs> I did it. I did it. <laughs> So you can be anyone, you can be anyone doing any kind of job, but you will have security implications and you wanna be doing security in your everyday job, even though you're not a professional security person, leave that to the the real cybersecurity professionals. Like there's gonna be a need for those. But in general, cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility. We need to make it accessible enough and easy to understand. So everyone knows it's part of their job. It's like, how, how is there a war? There's a war analogy here, right? Like when we're fighting an enemy and they're like invading, like, doesn't everyone have a job to like lock their door? doors and not let in i don't even know james like you tell me Wait,
2: so, so so a lot of times we look at cyber warfare and cyber crime and want to compare it to a traditional battle of sorts between two evident adversaries but the battlefield has changed right we no longer fight traditional wars like even from the military perspective we no longer f- we stopped fighting traditional wars 20 years ago In four months and five days, we'll bow our heads for the 20th time for the 9-11 attacks. So just take that and let that sink in. And for the last 20 years, we have not fought a traditional war.
1: Wow, I can't believe that was 20 years ago. You're right.
2: Right? We're fighting an enemy, even on the battlefield today, that dresses like you and I, looks like Mm -hmm. you and I, and hides behind civilians. So cybercrime is essentially the manifestation of what happened in the battlefield into the online world mm-hmm. without any of the down risks of being shot and killed
3: mm-hmm. in
2: an actual war zone right the only time a cyber milita- semi military unit was taken off the battlefield was during the conflict a few years ago between Israel and Hamas when Hamas was launching cyber attacks, Israel discovered the building they were launching the attacks from and just dropped the missile and took out Hamas's entire cyber unit. Like, literally, they blew him to shreds and pieces. Um, and that was the only time cyber criminals have actually paid with crime with their lives by military action.
0: Hmm.
2: So I we- wanted
0: to add that. Um, sorry, go ahead, James.
2: So, so taking that war analogy, we have to understand that we're fighting an invisible enemy who looks just like you and me. They set up, I mean, we know that phishing through email is less effective now. So they've transitioned to social media and they've transitioned to a platform we're on right now, LinkedIn. Every single person who's watching us on LinkedIn has received a message from someone that sounds too good to be true, right? And one of the phishing things that we actually discovered from a threat intel perspective from an, from our organization, and I'll be talking about it next week on my show, is the fake certs. So I'll take the cert for you so you pass it. Some of those are actual uh, PII company info, um, a watering hole attacks, where they're trying to get your credentials and get as much information on you as possible. In order to be able to successfully spearfish within the organization, wow!
1: I report those all the time, but LinkedIn is always like, "Oh, that's not a, a thing, right?" Like, do you report those? I report and block all the time.
2: So I, I rep- I've, I've stopped reporting stuff to social media platforms because okay. I've stopped expecting them to have the common sense I have. They don't. They don't. I get. I get. I, I did multiple shows in the Middle East. And I got so much anti-Semitic stuff, it wasn't even funny. Mm. And I reported all of it and the anti-Semitic comments on the videos I did for those podcasts and for those TV shows are still there. So, So so I I take zero things as social media platforms as a way for them to do it. If if it's if if you know it's just I have zero expectations. Yeah,
1: I mean, not even touching on the fact that the oversight board for Facebook yesterday making that non-decision, like we don't even have to talk about that.
2: Hey, we hired you guys to make a decision. And what did you do? (laughs) You took our money. And And it was
1: like $3 billion. No, no, it was $100 million to make this board. Exactly. (laughs) Give me that money. I'll make a decision for you in two seconds.
2: Yeah.
0: couple more comments coming in um hey everyone i don't know who this is but they're saying this is amazing there should be more live shows like this very informative thank you thank you for listening quick question johnny says is there a prominent company that has promoted being completely secure from any cyber attacks
2: they're not prominent if they've said it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that's just unrealistic gotta learn a lot from you guys this is ronick dave he says uh I got to learn a lot from you guys in in layman's language and understood it all. Oh, cool. So all of it, which is really cool. But um, Naomi, to some of the points that you guys were making earlier,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
0: it two two things that I wanted to add in. One, when you talk about cyber, you know, not just the geeks and the the everyone pretty much understanding that cyber is a part of their life, a part of their role. I think at some point there will be like some critical mass, like something will happen. And And it could be that, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, again, the Ohio Turnpike um, CIO that was on that was talking about um, the autonomous vehicles and how those are coming, how there's going to be this massive flip, um, you know, where right now between 70, each car that's coming off the, you know, every single car that's coming out now has between 70 and 100 million lines of code so he talks about it being a roving data center another attack vector and this will impact every single individual who is riding or driving in a car mm-hmm. and so you know there probably will be some kind of unfortunate some situation where everyone's eyes will open up that okay this is not just a data thing this is not just a you know geek thing this is an everyone you know we're all impacted um and i think that you know some something big like that will happen because at this point like you said we th- it's a new breach oh well you know new news cycle new thing um even naomi the stuff that you talked about with the, the the murder is horrible but you know like every single person it's not impacting them when every single person gets impacted by their iot fridge or you know something you know fine yeah you know, or their vehicle or something like that, then everyone will be like, okay, just like I have to lock the door, just like I tell my child, don't talk to strangers, things like that. Now I'm going to have to be cyber aware because I won't have a choice.
1: If I were to guess, it's going to be public infrastructure first because that OT stuff is just not done well with security. Like we saw the recent uh, by the Super Bowl, right? The water treatment facility down in Florida. That was yeah. a close call. And I think that person was just messing around, like they just spiked up some chemical or whatever. Um and thank God someone caught it before it actually got in. So the idea, what happened is <laughs> we talked about that. We it wasn't someone missing happened.
2: around. It was not someone missing around. It was it was
1: an actual okay. So it was, it it Russia was a Russia or it China. Was
2: a, it wasn't a Russian thing. Will people stop saying Russia for everything? I love Russia. It's probably China. Okay, can we just agree that while Russia's an adversary and a very worthy one, China's the biggest threat to our nation? And if you mm-hmm. disagree with me, I'll no, i will tell you. I agree.
1: You yeah. know.
2: China is building the largest Navy. They're bulking up against Taiwan. They've taken over a sovereign country in Hong Kong. They've broken every international treaty in the process. Yes. Do I need to keep uh, – I don't well, know. Well, no, they, they
1: want to destroy democracy and make everyone live the way that they do. They so, like
2: the last week, so so for, for people who don't believe this, last week some very, very brave people out of China released um, some speeches – local speeches that have been given by president g who's the uh you know kind of de facto king lifelong china,
1: yeah lifelong president right
2: yeah. he's he's the putin of china um and in his speeches he talks about how these were from 2016 17 and 18 of china's plan to control the global internet
3: mm-hmm.
2: by setting a chinese standard and if you folks for one second think that some of that hasn't trickled down here you know, when I say I don't, I don't have any faith in social media anymore. I, I, I have stuff to, to reach that conclusion because some of the stuff they talk about and some of the methods they deploy, mm-hmm. uh, we we see them today, um, being used. Um, yeah.
1: Domination through diplomacy.
2: Domination through yeah. diplomacy without firing a shot. Exactly. And letting people shoot each other while you're standing. Uh, Yeah.
1: And you know, what's really scary. The youth of China. Now they're completely bought into the party. Like their lives are great. They didn't suffer like the generations before. Like my family immigrated to America from China. Right. So they had to escape. The Red Army and stuff, but the kids these days they don't know anything about that. They yeah. they only think of Tiananmen Square. They only think of that as like a person standing in front of the tank. They don't actually hear the rest of the story of like the murder of students. Like no one ever hears about that because the the students in China they grew up thinking like oh my life is great so China must be great so they're like all into this party like they're like all into it man. Well, they it's
2: indoctrination like from. The I know, school. but they they
1: love it. They like they do the tours like Tiananmen Square today every single day. They they do the flag raising thing and they do the marching thing like at 7 a.m. There's crowds of people, young people who just wait for that to happen every single day. And like to me, that's really scary because they don't know the danger of China. I will just say it. it's like it's it's crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: So David Dinger says Russia and China are very different threats. Certainly China is the big, bigger, long term threat. But our strongest allies are concerned about Russia.
2: Well, the European allies are concerned about Russia because of Russia's traditional way of looking at, you know, Finland, Norway, Denmark, um, Germany, Poland, et cetera, because they have interest in that in that part of the world. They've had interest since the Soviet Union fell and, in, and, and the Berlin Wall came down. They've had interest. I've been to parts of Poland and Germany that were under Soviet rule. And then you go to parts of Germany, like West Germany, and you go to East Germany. And man, it's night and day. Like, it's like architecture, mentality, people, food. It, you're in the same country, but you're not. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's night and day if you get to travel that. And while I get people are concerned about Russia, Russia has no interest in invading anyone but the Ukraine um, because of the natural resources that are available in the Ukraine, because of the long history between Russia and the Ukraine um there's there's th- this is kind of like a uh, um um a a internal russian thing china sees world domination russia isn't trying to indoctrinate their program globally china is
1: china is yeah china
2: sees china is looking at the continent of africa and sees mm-hmm. that's how we're going to yeah. feed the people of china it's, it's- not how we're going to take care of the people of africa They're looking at the continent of Africa and saying, this is where we will farm. Mm -hmm. That's why they're building these airports in random spots in Africa. That's why they're taking all these sports is because that's how they plan to ensure food security for their people, right? (laughs) Through Africa.
1: And I love how you know this, because I only know this because I read magazines like The Economist, which is a really good source um, for world news. Like the problem with our news here, we get our CNN or MSNBC, like the fake news media. They don't tell us the full story of what's going on in the world. Like We don't see the bigger picture because we're so focused on stupid things. Like we we focus on the left versus right, whatever Trump said the other day. Like we just freak out about it. Meanwhile, people are actually dying because of like who they were born into like the, the Ugar Muslims right over uh, that territory there. And like China's going in there imprisoning like an entire country, like countryside and then putting them in prison and work camps and stuff. And yet, no one cares about it. Millions, millions. I know. People. Like I couldn't even tell you what's going on there. Cause I don't know. I only get like third party accounts well, from random. Look at,
2: look at the attack on, look at the DDoS attack that happened on, on Tuesday in Belgium where they took the, China took down the entire Bellnet internet.
1: Oh yeah, that's right but we don't hear about that
2: in Belgium. And people said, well, we mm-hmm. don't know who, where the dead came from every single media story. Retracted it. Yep. Retracted the story. Yeah. I called out people who I know and I appreciate. And I was like, you're a coward. Oh. Leave the headline in there. There was a hearing in Belgium with people who were able to escape the Uyghur Muslim concentration camps in China and were there to testify about the atrocities mm-hmm. and the things that were happening there. This folks, I, as a Jew of a family who were in concentration camps in Europe by Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. I'm never one that, that's quick to draw the whole Nazi thing, right? Because I think that people throw that around way too lightly. Like everything that is semi, you don't agree with. If, mm-hmm. if they don't agree with your point of view, they're Nazis, you know, that's that's really the misuse of the word. But China is actively using the German playbook against the Muslim Uyghur minority in their country yeah. and no one's lifting a finger or it's calling it out. even islamic nations
3: mm-hmm.
2: aren't standing up for their brothers but god forbid god forbid you draw a picture of muhammad in a free speech newspaper oh yeah
1: france you yeah. go in and
2: shoot up a charlie hebdo office god Jesus. yeah right but china's massacring muslims and enslaving them and we no have real problems
1: does. to deal with. Yeah. Like, I feel like the cybersecurity, and, like, I'm just like entry level cybersecurity people need to be hired. Like, I feel like that is so disingenuous <laughs> when I know people are dying out there for like real stupid reasons. Like But we as cyber
2: sec- yeah. cybersecurity people, we actually have power. We do. Yeah. We are able to secure and build a free speech platform that really allows for us to share this stuff and not in some. Um, right left way, but rather in the human way. I we wish just, that were true. We fight each other so much.
3: I don't like, fight people, I just yes, we love
1: you, James. Right. We love yeah. you, but the second you say something like cybersecurity is not difficult, what do you get? People calling you a whore I'm online. Like, excuse yeah. my language, but like, that is ridiculous. We're on the same freaking team,
2: yeah. Yeah, but but but, but this is the difference between what I like to call bravery. So, and and <laughs> I call it bravery and slavery. Okay. And I mean it in the form of people who are enslaved in, in a specific way of thinking and working. And then there's the bravery, which are the people who stormed Normandy and Omaha beach in world war II, knowing that they were probably going to die um, and they still did it. And so You know, we're missing a lot of that bravery today, Naomi. You have that bravery because you're willing to come out and 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 do a post. And when someone calls you that, you you know, you you do you do a you you do a pretty good job of just saying like whatever. It's almost like water like washing off of me, right? It's offensive. I get hit with anti-Semitic stuff all day long, right? I mean, I do, I don't talk about it, but I can't tell you how many people who one day like look me up a little bit and all of a sudden see a picture of me wearing my tefillin or wearing my, my prayer shul. Um, I'll, I'll get people that, that'll write, be like, Oh, you're one of those dirty Jews. Okay. Wonderful. You know um, you know, go F yourself. Maybe you should have, you know, burnt and in, in maybe they should have burned your entire family in the gas chambers. Oh like no, I've, I, I, I've gotten that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I get that almost daily in mm-hmm. some form or fashion right but, but we have to we have to rise beyond that right mm-hmm. and it, to me it's not about right or left it it's really not and it's not about your political point of view i look at cybersecurity as my mission in life it's where i'm able to influence the next generation and the generation after and after that not just by securing my organization but by actually promoting people and teaching people to understand the freedoms that they have that they can exercise and not allowing those to be infringed by anyone. I talk about privacy more than anyone else. I've written letters in support of companies that have done the right thing, like what Signal just did. If you're still on WhatsApp after the most recent subpoena that Signal got and you call yourself a technologist or a security guy, shame on you and turn in the card.
1: <laughs> shame on you and turn in the card. And in your CISSP. Yeah, Lord.
0: Johnny wants to know, where do you get your information, James? I'm I guessing read. not The Economist. I don't. I read The Economist. I like The Economist. I
2: don't. So I look at, I, I form, I read multiple sources. And then I look, I'm, I'm a history guy. So I have a lot of books and I read a lot, a lot of books. And I read a lot of history. And so to me, history's. I, I I'm able to form things based on history. I'm all, I also look at, you know, the, um, the, 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 general geopolitical climates of different leaders. I've done extensive studies on MBS and Saudi. I've done extensive studies on President Xi in China, and on, on uh, President Putin in Russia, on Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel. And, and over there, what we're witnessing in the last few days in Israel is unbelievable. Netanyahu has not been able to form a government. And now there might be the first government formed in Israel in over 30 years that will represent all sides of the aisle and not just one. So there could be a government that's formed with the support of the Arab minority, which would be almost 30 years in the making prior to the Oslo Accords, with a right-wing coalition and a center-left coalition. And that would be harmony. Um, I don't know how long that government will last. You know, but nonetheless are they on
1: that like their fourth one in four years or something?
2: Th- this is their fourth election in two years. <laughs> two years and okay. if they can't yeah. form a government within twenty-seven days, <laughs> then they go to fifth elections uh, <laughs> in, in two and a half years. Yeah.
0: Yeah, James so, is legit.
1: He's the real thing.
0: Yeah, James is the real deal. Who says this? Ronick says Russia is not a threat if looked from the macroeconomic perspective and considering their economy. Well
2: done, smart man. Yeah, yes. it's
1: China. China laughed at us, by the way. Remember the insurrection? Who can forget?
2: So oh, they yeah. replayed.
1: They replayed the video they like all over the. They were laughing at us. They're like, look at these yeah. jokers. These idiots can't well, get. They well, they're laughing at today. the guy
2: with the like dressed like <laughs> buffalo, right? <laughs> the, shaman,
1: the Shaman. Yeah. Guy. But they were laughing, laughing at America. America.
2: <laughs> they, they were, but they still laugh at America. Hell, oh, yeah. laughing, they laugh at Biden every single day. Have you seen that? Hey. They air Biden's gaffes oh, on yeah. TV.
1: Well, like, our easy. media
2: doesn't do it, but they do. Yeah. We have yeah.
1: problems in this country, I'm telling you. We just don't get along for the yeah. we're the we're, fight, we're fighting the
0: we're we're fighting the wrong things. The world for all the wrong reasons. That's
1: exactly what it is in cybersecurity. Like we're fighting each other more than we fight the stupid. criminals. It's, it's so stupid.
0: It's the most it's the dumbest thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I made a comment on one either your post or or um, Chris's post where I'm like, We're doing all of this and they're training babies. In these other places, five, yeah. six, seven, eight year olds, so that when we say we have 20 million or how many ever million open positions, how many ever years from now, because fiber is so hard and we have to take eight years to figure it out, uh-huh. their 16 year olds will be really have 10 years experience. real deal 10 years experience
2: you you know what the problem is people people um and and (laughs) you ready for this one too many people take liberal arts degrees got um, it um, (laughs) and 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 not real stem stuff so you don't see liberal arts in russia and china as being a viable degree in higher education you don't or in india right they're saying you need to go learn something that's gonna make you money
0: yeah. Now you want to do, do
2: liberal arts? That's fine. Do it after you're making money.
0: After the fact, it's it's true. You're absolutely do you
2: right. backwards sometimes because we're, we're we've lost. You know, uh, I think is what well, it was. President Reagan that said that um, freedom is one generation f- away from being taken, right? Um, and and I'm, I'm Paris quoting this one, but um, we we're, we're literally. At, at, a, at a place where this fourth industrial revolution that we're going through now, this is is literally the first industrial revolution that threatens your freedoms, because every single one thereafter gave people freedom, the invention of cars gave you freedom right now you could travel somewhere faster not on a horse and not risk your life. You know how many people used to die going from like Florida to Ohio on a horse in a well, carriage. That's what we
0: were just talking about on Tuesday.
2: <laughs> not, not everything's a Tarantino movie, right? Like not. Yeah. everything's a Tarantino Yeah, that's movie. true.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's what the, the Ohio um, turnpike CIO was talking. He was giving us the history, hmm. the 1894 um, manure, manure crisis. Um, Converting to cars, how many horses would die? How many people would die? How much manure was in the street? Um, and that like massive flip. And so you know that's the the one and of the. Think topic. of autonomous
2: cars. Think of like autonomous cars because yeah. I had this discussion with with someone here uh, in Peachtree Corners in Georgia. We have an autonomous car vehicle lane where they test autonomous cars. in, it's like literally a lane on the, on a street, like I've driven by sometimes where there'd be a car with like someone sitting inside of it, but they're on a computer. They're not driving it. The car's navigating no. itself through. Right. And we talked about what happens when you put in an address to go to a business and the car decides no, that's a Trump supporter. No. You can go to that business. No, no, no. You need to go to this business, right?
1: It could um, happen. We laugh now, but no, Lord I'm almighty. serious. Like
2: this is the an, oh, this is the first revolution of industry yeah. where instead of freeing people, it's enslaving people. Yeah
1: the the tech, like how many people are like stuck on their phones you know like we are just so into our phones and our screens and yelling at each other through our screens For it's all so all not the healthy
0: reasons no analytical thinking is going on no
1: critical thinking
0: at no all no critical thinking yeah. it's all it's and to your point Naomi and mm-hmm. a reason why I love you both is the data and the history you know like nobody's looking back everybody's into clickbait and when oh, you say yeah. MSNBC CNN Fox all that you know it's just I call it reality TV. Like I'm like they love like people just think Real call, reality TV.
2: <laughs> I call like, all mainstream media
0: mm-hmm.
2: the retraction mob. Because they write stories and then they have to retract them <laughs> all the like Yeah. When You're when like, like, oh never last, mind. When was the last time you've read a story on the New York Times or Post that hasn't been edited three or four times in the footnotes saying yeah, yeah. this story yeah. was yeah, changed? Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, business. no one ever.
0: Yeah, yeah no one need Oh, we updated. Oh, we update because everyone wants fast, 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 quick, click, click, yeah. click. like like clickbait. That's it. They it's just not, want. They I want. I want to strip the
2: media of their immunity, mm. so I can fix the media. Mm. Right, because like Project Veritas, like I love James O'Keefe and what Project Veritas is doing, because they they're suing the Times, the Post, they're suing all of them, and they're deposing them, and they're putting those depositions online. And you want to go see how they've they had a New York Times um, uh, deposition there of a New York Times editor that said, yeah, we knew it was wrong when we posted it, but we just posted it anyways. Yeah, we know that our, uh, yeah, we're writing a story, but it's really an opinion piece, but it's yeah. under a news story. Yeah. Like all of that's available on Project Veritas.
1: Basically, like, all primetime news channels are, opinion- yeah, yeah. Everyone, thinks yeah channels everyone thinks
2: it's news. Opinions, yeah. and but you know think it's, it's news.
1: It totally it's Carl, Carl, is. Carl, was his name? Tucker Carlson or something. <laughs> like I don't yeah. watch him, but people love him. They're like, oh, he tells it like it is. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> It's a Look. it's reality TV. Yeah, but like but it's but, his but, opinion.
2: It's, it's, yeah, but there's He's no critical thinking. There's
1: no critical thinking. They're like, why are they trying to tell us this? What's really happening here? It's the elites, the people with the imagine. money, power and control. Power and control. That's all it's about. I've, and I want you know what
0: I'm curious about: how many people actually watch that? Because after the when the new administration came in, they lost like all of these. um news mainstream news media they lost like millions of viewers
1: because trump was their news cycle like he was right. so interested they wanted him to keep doing the stupid yes. stuff he's doing but they're like he's great tv he's, he's
0: awesome <laughs> tv so then it went down so it's just like and i thought about this from ai was like hmm, i wonder what's gonna happen to these people if you know president trump gets you know the, is voted out and the new president like what are they going to do because the last four years six years has just been you know talking about him getting there, him being there, he's the worst, blah, 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 you know, and everything else that they carried on with or the best, depending on where you, you know, where you are, all of that, that had been going on and it kind of got tired. And I'm wondering how many people just turned away from that stuff and said like, okay, I can see right through this and let me go actually look for some news with some facts, with some two, you know, like two real sides that I can make a decision about because- it's so bizarre to
2: so, watch what CNN does today. Yeah. What I don't know if you've watched CNN over the last like since Biden's been elected. <laughs> CNN, CNN
0: CNN and, CNN's, like,
2: news, CNN's coverage is around what Fox News says.
0: Fox oh, yeah, News's you're coverage
2: right. Is around what CNN says.
1: Yeah, they just argue.
0: MSNBC's
2: coverage is around whatever someone on Twitter said.
0: Yeah, right? it's like a they're, rebuttal. They're not yeah.
2: the news,
0: there's no news anymore. Right? It's, not, and, it's, it's not, so news. not
2: news. And now, and now, you know, Trump now, like on his website, he puts out like these essentially tweets oh, on his yeah. website.
1: On
0: social and media, so now
2: yeah. they, they've kind of like gone to like DonaldJTrump.com. Yeah. And now they go. Look what he just said. He just <laughs> called Liz Cheney so and so, and so now that's back. Reality like, yeah, TV. I want like, 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 someone to go to Mar-a-Lago and just cut <laughs> Trump's access to the internet.
1: Yeah.
0: Let yeah, them me.
2: report. Let them report. Let them die oh, and gosh. burn, so we can rebuild.
1: Obscurity. Yeah.
0: We need. Unreal. It's unreal. Okay, Nelson mm-hmm. says, this conversation is hardcore, but you guys are on, right on point. It's hard to sit here and say, what can I do to help? But James is exactly right that the cyber war is where we can get involved to help. Um, then we had a comment up here. Martinez said hi from sunny London. He's that like, happens e- like <laughs> 10
2: times a year. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's not really. I think to Nelson's I- point... Nelson was asking, you know, what can I do to help? This is exactly it. You're you're trying to start conversations with people and you're listening to both sides of the argument. So if you're thinking, hey, cybersecurity really does need more elitism or it needs more smart people or whatever, like whatever your stance is. Um, think about the other side like think about the pros and cons think about the arguments for and against what you're trying to say and then just really critically think about like why you have that stance because once you start opening up your mind into thinking like hey maybe I'm wrong about this or like what's the other side thinking and, and everyone has a reason why they think a certain way so like consider both sides make. Uh, you know, a, a little like evidence column for yourself, I and mean, like what really is the truth here. And so, we want to have these conversations and and be open to uh, negative feedback too. And like the more uh, the conversation that you can have with other people, the better we will be.
0: All right. We are at two o'clock. I just want to put up Martinez's comment because he has been here for such a while. Hey, at last he got us live. He's just a podcast listener. And just to change the subject, how to find a mentor, how to approach a mentor. He listens to our podcast and LinkedIn posts, and he's still not sure how to approach a mentor. Naomi, that one is for you. Approaching <laughs> you know, mentors.
1: Oh, uh, here, here's the thing. There's plenty of people who are willing to mentor. You just have to ask. There are going to be people who are like, oh, I can't, you know, I'm too busy now. You might just caught them at the wrong time. But you can even start within your own organization, really find someone who's maybe in security and just say, hey, I just want a 20-minute conversation. Do you have time for coffee? And you start building small relationships that way. They might introduce you to someone else because you're interested in this one thing and they'll get you hooked up. And that's really what networking looks like. It's like when somebody else helps you out and gives you other references and you follow up with them and you, you're just a very good professional, right? You reply to emails quickly and you say, hey, yeah, I'd love a 20-minute professional conversation. And that's all it takes. It's nothing huge. Um, just be prepared for someone to say no to you and don't take that personally. But just keep putting yourself out there. Don't give up. It really is grit and you know, just keep going at it.
0: Yeah. And you can have more than one. Don't expect oh, yeah. one person to have I just you. want
2: to say one thing before, because I have to drop here in just a moment. Happy Mother's Day to both of you, Renee and Naomi, because Mother's Day is on Sunday. Thank you. That's so right.
0: Mother's Day is about that. Yeah. Go
2: love your moms <laughs> this weekend.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. All right. Thank you all for being here. This was an awesome discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Loved having this see you guys next week at um, another CISO Thursday and maybe potentially another CIO, CTO leadership series. Also, I am speaking tomorrow at the HUE conference um, talking about what we learned from interviewing 200 people on cybersecurity on this podcast. It's probably 300 at this point. Um, so if you have not checked out the HUE conference, check it out. H-U-E conference. It's mostly for women or it's a, 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 a whole conference um, with speakers who are women of color. So Awesome. This is awesomeness. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Cheers. Bye.